Welcome to another episode of From Concept to Company. On this show, we dive in deep with current and aspiring entrepreneurs to learn about their pain points, things they wish they knew before they started, and their successes to date. This week, we're excited to have Daniel Jacobs, the owner and producer of Mr. Camera, a world-famous Las Vegas production company known for working with A-list talent, high-profile and high-profile celebrities. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. I know it's a little bit different than what our listeners are used to. They're used to us being in this fun podcast room and uh, working off the energy of of each other, but it's going to be okay. You know, COVID makes things a little different, but thank you so much for virtually joining us today. We can't wait to talk through everything you have to share. I know you have a lot of value for our listeners. Well, I I appreciate you having me on, Ashley, uh, virtually or physically, and I look forward to chatting with you. Yeah, so for those that are unfamiliar with your brand, tell us a little bit about what you guys do, and then I'd love to jump into how you got started in this space. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, Mr. Camera is a video production company based in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, We focus mainly on broadcast production, so that would be anything you see on television. Our client list is very long. We've been in business for 40 years this year, actually. And we've worked with pretty much, what's that? Oh, I said congrats. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been been quite the challenge to stay alive this long. Um, And we, so we basically work with TV shows. We also work with large corporations doing front and back of house video production for them. Uh, Caesars Entertainment, uh, MGM Mirage, and then the broadcast side, HBO Boxing, Showtime Boxing, Top Rank Boxing, Entertainment Tonight, Travel Channel, Food Network, uh, basically any network you've seen, we've had projects on. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, when I had discovered you and got to see a little bit of your work, I was blown away coming from, you know, an Orange County base and, and, uh, being so close to LA and working with these world-renowned production companies, it was honestly really hard to find a great production company out of Vegas. And I was so thankful to find you. I'm like, what? There's an amazing production company out here. I don't have to bring them in. This is incredible. And then to really even learn more about your experience that you can't put up on your website and you can't share publicly um, just because of all the legal regulations and all that fun stuff. But you've done some incredible things over these years. What got you into um, this industry? So it's actually a family business. My father started in 1980. Uh, they bought their first camera. Uh, and they, they picked Mr. Camera as the name because they felt that it would be memorable, unlike just, you know, any production company that tries to have a cool name. that They went up uh, something maybe a little comedic and off the uh, – off the beaten path to still be memorable. But uh, I fell into it. You know, I, I grew up in production. I, I was, I don't know, six years old, standing outside the Mirage Hotel at the grand opening right next to Michael Jackson and Steve Wynn when my father and his video crew shot it. And I just, I've spent my whole life around around sets and on productions, and I, I, I just fell into it. Uh, the Realistically, I got into this because I started repairing broken electronics for my father. If something was broken, he'd hand it to me. If I could fix it, I could keep it. So I started getting Discman and Walkmans and VCRs and stuff at a pretty young age because I, I would fix it and it became mine. And, uh, you know, by the time I was in my teens, I was freelancing and uh, helping out with my brother's high school and college video projects. And I just kind of fell into this. That's so cool. What was it like being on your first set? If you can think back. I know it was a while ago. I, I mean, my first set was, my memories are the Mirage was pretty young. I think I was like 
six or seven or eight when the Mirage opened, and that was like a, probably behind the scenes for Entertainment Tonight. Uh, a few years later, the opening of the Luxor, I, uh, my father was covering for Good Morning America, which generally meant we would show up in the middle of the night and set up for live shots all through the morning. Uh, and then around, you know, 7 a.m., we're done. So as a 10-year-old kid, I was out there in the middle of the night hanging out with Sinbad playing arcade games in the arcade at the Luxor where my father was getting set up for live shots. Uh, but then in, on a professional side of it, my first actual paying job, I was 16 years old, freelancing as an audio technician. And uh, it was something for, I think, WWF Wrestling. If I do remember correctly, I messed up pretty bad and the audio was unusable. Uh, but good to get those mistakes out of the way early. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of starting your own business, whether you start from scratch or you're chiming in for someone else and taking over. Uh, There's a lot to learn and there's a lot of hiccups that happen. And that's why the majority of our listeners chime in is to to learn all about starting a business. And and again, those pain points and things that they wish they knew before they started. And then what has led to your successes to date? It's actually really fun. I am staring at the Luxor right now, perfect view out my window um, with the microphone. So it's just so fun to envision you back when you were younger working on uh, on one of your first sets. It's it's incredible that you were able to jump into that and his legacy. It's been quite a ride. I have seen a lot of crazy things, been to a lot of crazy places, and I have also avoided having what people would classify as a real job. That's amazing. I love it. Um, For all of our listeners that specifically picked this podcast to jump into, maybe they have a production company and they want to learn from, you know, an incredible professional that has the A-list talent experience and high-profile celebrity experience. Um, What is something that you, a piece of advice maybe, that you think everybody should know that's looking to get into film? If you're looking to get into this industry, the one thing I can tell you is you just have to want it. You have to be eager. If you want to be in film, it's possible, but you need to be learning. You need to be respectful. You need to be willing to take lesser paying jobs to get your name out there and to show people how awesome you are. Uh, You never stop learning. Never, ever stop learning. If you're on a set and you didn't learn something, you weren't on that set. There's always more to be uh, gained while you're out there. Uh, You have to want it. This is not just going to be given to you. I, I, I was a shoe-in in this industry. I was handed a production company, and I still had to earn it. It was still not just given. Yeah, that's some great advice. I think one thing that a lot of entrepreneurs get uh, wrapped up in is the day-to-day life of their business, and they get so wrapped up in it and so laser-focused and in what they're trying to do that they forget that they need to continue to learn and also keep their ears and eyes open for certain um, opportunities and, and learning specifically, learning opportunities. Uh, we see that in every industry, not just film. And so I think that's incredible advice for all of you guys. Let's repeat that back. Keep learning. <laughs> you can always learn more. I, I We have worked with so many production companies over the years since launching my agency in 2014. And it, that's great advice. Like there's so many people that are new and trying to get their feet wet and they don't have the portfolio that we're looking for, or, you know, they're told by their friend that they need to be charging more and, oh, you shouldn't do a production for less than a hundred thousand. So then they bid us a hundred thousand and we're like, Hey, yeah, we're working with a big brand, but guess what? Like you don't warrant that price point with your current, um, 
experience. Like it's just the bottom line or, or the client doesn't have this budget and it's a great way to get your foot in the door even with agencies. Do one project for an agency, you know, without devaluing your brand or going too low in, in price. Um, but having that one opportunity, that one case study can make all the difference for a brand. Well, that's absolutely true. I, I have friends and colleagues in the industry, and uh, one in particular, they do a bunch of artistic stuff on the side when they're not working their paid jobs. They put money, the time, and the effort, and they go out and they do stuff that is their creative vision. And then they put that on their reel. And that stuff is what they want to be doing. And then eventually they get to do it because someone sees it and calls them and says, hey, I like that look. And that's exactly what happened with them. They put some time and effort into making the look that they like. And then they put it on their reel. And eventually someone hired them to do it. I love that. Yeah, and, and it's crazy in the production world. And I'm so guilty of doing this, even in a marketing agency world, to get your stuff out there. We're really bad at getting our stuff, our, ourselves out there with our case studies and, you know, Cardi Media is not posting on social media as frequently as we should be um, to show people our work and our experience because we're so wrapped up in our daily client work. Like, I'm putting in 16 plus hours a day, most of the days working for client stuff. And that's priority versus working on, you know, our brand and trying to grow grow our brand. Thankfully, overnight, I've been really, really lucky in the fact that our clients are all mostly word of mouth. So one client's very, very happy and then they tell other clients and um, curious if you find that to be the same in the film industry, working in production. 100%. I would say 99% of my clients are word of mouth, have not found me through advertising. Uh, they've probably gone to my website to confirm that I'm a real company and that I have, a, I have videos up there. They maybe have gone to check me on social media. But almost every client for me is, a, is passed down from a client before. Yeah, and, and for those of you guys listening, that's why it's so incredibly important to create those connections and to go above and beyond in your work. Um, you You're work has spoken for itself for anybody that's listening highly suggest going and checking out his work so you can get a a general feel for the quality level um but you put your heart and soul into a project and it shows and then people will continue to use you and they'll continue to pass pass you on to to uh you know their friends and family and coworkers and all of that fun stuff it's not it's not rocket science it really is you know customer service putting out a good product and taking care of your customers and making, and for me, that, that also means taking care of my uh, freelancers, the people that are going out and representing my company and shooting the product that I am taking and editing. So, you know, just having a good team and taking care of the customers so that they call back. Uh, Getting the customer once isn't my goal. Getting the customer for life is. If I get enough of those, I don't have to worry about anything ever again. So it's, um, it's definitely a lifelong relationship. And uh, I, I always like to describe it as empathy. Myself and my team, they have to have empathy. We are empathetic to the person's cause. If they don't care about their video, we don't care about their video. But if this is the most important video of their life and they put a lot of time into this, we're going to walk out there and we're going to give them that much effort and make sure that they walk away feeling fulfilled and like they got what they needed. And they're going to call us back knowing that we take care of them like that, that we care about what they're doing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just so important. I wish I could put it into words even more, but I think everybody gets the, the gist of that. You know, your, your, when your project becomes 
when their project becomes your baby, it, it really shows and they just will keep coming back and it's the life cycle, customer customer lifetime value is just so important to brands. Um, one question that I had for you before I ask you about some big news that you have um, was if someone wanted to get into this industry, do you have any specific advice or suggestions to them based off of like, should they go through the film school process? Do you think that they should try to find a mentor and, you know, work in the industry as a starter role? What would be your best advice? Uh, I think that probably the best advice is to probably hit it from all angles. Um, it's not necessarily the easiest thing to break into the industry. I would recommend that you do try to go and PA on set. And you, I've seen it enough times where someone goes out and PAs and really busts their buns and puts forth the extra effort way above and beyond what a PA should be doing. They get pushed up to like associate producer and they get an immediate pay raise and now they have responsibility and they're also above the line. So I have seen that happen where you start out as a PA and you work hard and you recognize and that is a great way to go. And people do that their entire careers, right? They move from associate producer up to director or a producer just because they work extra hard, put extra time into the call sheet or into the schedule or the shot list, show the production that they are capable of more and work more. Um, mentoring is a great way to go if you want a specific job. If you know that you've always wanted to be a teleprompter operator, I would go find your local teleprompter company, tell them your, that this is your lifelong dream and you would like to mentor and start working your way up because uh, we are also looking for eager talent that wants to learn and is capable and can take care of a bunch of productions for us. We, we, we need help. We need crew members. So we don't mind people coming in and saying they want to be a part of the team. Be eager, show up on time. if not early, put your extra effort on, you know, and let us know that you care and, and you're worth your while. Uh, and that's a great way to go about it too. Uh, that one is more if you want to do a specific job though. I would, I would mentor someone for like, Steadicam operator or any specific area in the industry that you're trying to get into. Uh, if you don't know what part of the industry, then just go on set and be a production assistant. You'll get to see everybody's job. And then after, you know, six months a year, if you see something that you're like, hey, I'd kind of like to be that person, then you can start working trying to mentor that person. I love that advice. I think that, you know, just from what I've seen from hiring people and then working with all of our clients that struggle to hire people is that there's a lot of entitlement with the younger demographics. And they're like, oh, I'm only getting paid, you know, X amount per hour. I deserve more and I'm just going to show up and I'm going to do my bare minimums or sometimes less thereof. And then they wonder why they're not successful or they don't get called back or they don't, you know, keep jobs for a long period of time. And it's like the nature of business just in general is to put in that 200%, not 50%, just to hit the mark. And the more that you can work and get on jobs and go above and beyond, the better that you're going to do. Um, when we learn... Well, we, oh, go ahead. Uh, we have a saying in our industry, you're only as good as your last job. Most yeah. of our jobs are freelance. So we're not hired for the next job until it comes up. So we're... Uh, if we mess up a previous job, we're not getting called back. It's not a firing. It's just a non-rehire, which is way easier to do than a fire. So, like, you never get to sit back and relax. If you start sitting back and relaxing on your on set, you're not coming back to set. So 
I mean, it just never changes. It will be hard work until the day you die. They pay as well to work. Bring those energy drinks with you. <laughs> Speaking of food on set, for all of our listeners that own a business and they're just interested in learning more about production, maybe they're thinking about you know, throwing a commercial together or some social media content. Um, I know that you have some great content that you've pushed out on YouTube, for example, one of which that sticks out to me is talking about bringing food and that expectation of, of feeding the crew. What are some things that you wish that business owners knew before hiring you? Oh, you know, production is more expensive than anybody wants to realize. So it's pretty much every client comes in with low expectations on the budget and are just absolutely shocked by the expenses. But we basically, in my industry, most of our jobs are on location, which means we're either out in a hotel or a casino or at an office building or a medical complex. We're on set uh, and we're on set at a building that is not made to have us there. So every time I go somewhere, I have to treat it like a brand new studio being built. It's a temporary studio. But I have to envision this like, okay, what does a studio need? What do we as a crew need? We need, you know, electricity and a loading area and gear storage areas. But in addition, we also need human services. So we need bathrooms. We need a place to eat. We need water. And, you know, we need fresh air every once in a while. We need breaks throughout the day. We need parking. So a lot of these things, you know, everybody doesn't want to think about the small details, but they're just as important. You know, if you have a crew, you have to feed them four to five hours into their shoot. If you don't feed them or you forget to feed them or you don't schedule that in, they go into overtime and a meal penalty. And then you start paying time and a half on an entire crew of 10 people. Well, that adds up real quick. You know, you don't even want to know the numbers behind it. So, you know, careful planning, respecting that these are humans and not robots and that everything takes time and they need breaks and they need human services. Very important. Also, and I think, Ashley, you can speak for this one. It's the quieter the location, the better. Just keep it in mind. When you're picking a location for something, the quieter, the better. Yeah, we went through that for uh, for our listeners here. They are even used to that with the past podcasts. We were previously at a location called the Bottega Exchange in Las Vegas. And unfortunately, we had people flying in for these podcasts to be here on location and there were a couple of days where there was construction happening um, in the studio without notice and then next door we had no idea that we'd be able to hear um, the next door neighbors playing music and banging things around because they happen to be a fitness um, gym and so when we're recording our action mavens videos we're like continually having to go over there and knock on the door and be like, hey, can you please turn your music down? We're trying to record over here. I don't know why you guys have it so loud today, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry. Yeah, uh, it's, sound, it's, it's insanely important. Like even now, I'm sure that there's going to be random bits of this podcast, um, despite my attempts to make it quiet, where people are going to be able to hear the helicopters that fly by for the Vegas tours. Thankfully, it's a weekday so there's less of them but they're definitely still here and it makes such a big difference you can't get rid of everything in the background I know you guys can do some stuff with editing but um it it, it devalues the now, quality yeah it's best to start with a quiet place we can fix up audio and post but it's always better to start with clean audio or as clean as audio as you can get um it's always more challenging to go back in afterwards and try to clean it up 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm trying to think, like, there's so much when it comes to putting together a production. I know that on our end, whenever we work with a project, um, let's say we're trying to shoot a commercial and we've got two brands that are involved. One is the, you know, main brand and the other brand is a potential sponsor for for product placement to help pay for the videos because like you shared, they're a lot more expensive than most people are are willing to pay. Um, so that there's ways that agencies can create these strategic partnerships to help pay for the cost. Um, but whenever we work on these projects, from an agency perspective, we know what we need to hand over to you guys in this pretty ribboned uh, situation versus where business comes to you. A lot of the time I can imagine they're just like, hey, I just have this idea please make it happen. Um, do you have any advice for our potential business owners that are listening in on what would make your life easier if they were to get you a storyboard or script ahead of time, or even just start out with some examples of some videos in the direction that they want to go? Well, uh, you know, scripts are great, but that's actually pretty far down the process. Um, after having come up with some concepts and, and getting to scripting, that's a little fur further down. Uh, as much information as you can give me is usually what I say. So the more I have to digest, the, the more involved in the project I can be and the more understanding I can have. I kind of, I describe myself as the liaison between creative and technical, right? So I, I'm going to listen to what you think you want or what you're saying you want and look at the examples you have to offer and it's written whatever you have for me, far napkin pictures, I don't really care. And we're going to translate that into Technically speaking, this is how you would achieve that using equipment, video equipment, lighting, equipment, audio equipment, crew. So I'm, I'm that liaison. So, I mean, the more you have, the better. If you have pictures and you have a storyboard, awesome. If you just have an idea on a bar, mac, bar napkin, awesome. We will help you develop it. And uh, some of the best ideas come in with just a thought. And then you go from there. And then other people come in with something that's pretty buttoned up and you're just shooting the video and putting it together. Love that. I know we've worked with so many different production companies and there are some where they want to be heavily involved in the creative process, which tends to be very helpful. And then there's other production companies where they're like, nope, we're just filming. You need to do everything else. One thing that I really specifically liked about you guys is the fact that you have your own equipment. And, um, you know, looking into production companies in Vegas when we were looking to film the Action Mavens classes was, do they have their own equipment? Are they going to be renting equipment and then plugging, like, even more of a higher cost onto us? Is everything, you know, quality level that, that we have as expectations-wise go, uh, goes? So I do love that you guys have your own equipment and that you're very hands-on through the whole creative process. Yeah, I mean, the equipment to me is only as good as the people that own it and operate it. Because anybody can go out and buy expensive cameras and lenses. But again, it really is how you handle the production, the customer, uh, and your, your crew, you know, and how you get through the process. There's a lot to be said that you guys are celebrating your 40th year in business this year. That's so exciting. When is that? August? Uh, I believe it was August. August 1981 is when my parents officially... Uh, created the name Mr. Camera. Oh, that's so fun. That's so fun. I'm excited to keep an eye on what, how you guys are going to celebrate on social media. Um, but 40 years in business is definitely something we're celebrating. They say that, you know, average business goes out of business in under five years. And to meet that mark and carry on that legacy is incredible. It's been uh, quite the journey. It really <laughs> has. 
I um I have a question for you. What is your favorite to date um production that that you guys have done? Not sure how to word that properly, so apologies. <laughs> oh, it's really hard for me to pick one production. There's a lot of experiences I've had. Uh, some of the productions are professionally. I'm really impressed with what I've done. Uh, there was a production for CinemaCon that was for FX Movie Channel and HBO and Entertainment Tonight. Uh, all three of them happened to be my client, and all three of them happened to need to do the same thing at CinemaCon together in the same location. So we had a team of about 40 people come out, set up three different sit-down interview locations with multiple cameras for each one, and we rotated multiple A-list uh, Hollywood celebrities through interviews. Just, I mean, it was a sausage factory of interviews for a day. That was pretty impressive. I, I enjoyed that one. That, that was my megaphone day. I get a megaphone and I'm happy. People have to listen to me. <laughs> uh, personally speaking, I, there's a few that I, I remember that are just personal to me. I would say when I was about 14, I was in a recording studio. Entertainment Tonight was um covering Celine Dion, recording the song Mona Lisa Smile for the movie of the same name. So my dad was the producer. There was a camera guy, an audio guy, and then I got to come out. I was just a kid. I didn't even really know who Celine Dion was at that time. But, uh, you know, we shot B-roll from outside of the studio, and she did the song six or seven times. And when they said they had it, I said, all right, E.T., you guys can go in, and she'll do it one more time. Next thing you know, I'm inside at the recording booth with Celine Dion, the guy with the camera, and that's it. It's just the three of us. She's got headphones on, so I can't hear the track that she's singing to. All I can hear is the tape spinning on the camera. I can literally hear the mechanics of the wheel spinning, and I can hear Celine Dion singing. And I was like, yeah, I didn't know who she was, but I knew it was something special. I, I mean, I can picture it in my mind and, and hear that voice. It was like, that's something impressive. So, you know, there's there's different sides. There's uh, professionally cool, and then there's personally memorable things. Definitely. I've got, like, little goosebumps just imagining it from being a little kid and what an incredible memory that is. I have always been fascinated with um, production itself and, and the capabilities and um, getting to work with celebrities and all of that fun stuff. So, Although never got into it, I I just have this like emotional connection to how that must have felt. If that makes sense, kind of random, but had to share. Well, I did try to describe it with some nice uh, adjectives there. You so did, yeah, you, you did a great job. It. <laughs> it, it, it makes it makes me tingle when I think about it. it I've, I've been fortunate to work with Celine Dion uh, through my entire career. So that was probably my first interaction with Celine Dion, and I worked with her up until last year when she left Las Vegas. And you know, if she ever comes back, I, I, I we have a decent relationship with her and her team, and we're basically her personal video crew when she's in Vegas. So you know, Celine Dion has a. Not only do I have a memory of her when I was 14, I have a memory of her from last year when we shot a video with her, and next thing you know, she's singing. Um, was the song from A Star Is Born. She's singing that while I push her around in a dolly cart, you know, for sandbags, pushing her around the Coliseum basement. So it just, I've seen some fun things. I've been some cool places. Um, my dad always said, this job takes you places you can't buy tickets to. And that has that really come true. That is it. Yeah, I think that, that 
puts the money on the marker, however that saying goes. So speaking of that, you guys, although you're located in Vegas, you travel all over the U.S., all over the world to do productions? Yeah, I there's nothing stopping me. Um, have cameras, will travel. So uh, for a brief stint of time, not a brief stint, for quite some time, we've uh, been doing Caesars Entertainment work. And uh, some of that work was traveling around the country, opening casinos for them. And we were, we called ourselves the openers because we would open showrooms, we would open restaurants, and we'd open casinos. They would hire us to come out with a team, and we'd shoot video of everything from the restaurants to the architecture and the details and the slot machines to the rooms, food shots, whatever. We would shoot everything, and that would be their content to start with for like the first year or two. Um, video and all the content they would need to put the commercials together and their social media and all that fun stuff. So we've done, we've traveled around doing that. Uh, did the Democratic conventions for Entertainment Tonight. So we've traveled and done that. Uh, some work for Gordon Ramsay traveling around. So yeah, we uh, we're not just Las Vegas. We are based here, but uh, we have an airport nearby. <laughs> yeah, it's right, it's right around the corner. That is so fun. I in a hopefully in a future life or whatever um, I can get into that space because I just think it's incredible to be able to again have that ticket that you can't purchase and get to be behind the scenes and create these beautiful stories and messages for people I just think it's incredible and get to travel all over Um, speaking of traveling I have an inside scoop just because I know (laughs) Um, with COVID has changed so much. Tell us a little bit about having to get COVID certified and, and what that looks like for production companies now. Yeah, uh, COVID is now a part of our life. Uh, it took a while for production to come back, but they have uh, finally the unions have come to agreements and made terms. And part of those terms are COVID testing and COVID compliance, uh, COVID compliance officers is a new position on set. Uh, I went through the, the basic training of that, so uh, keep informed as a good producer. But uh, now there's uh, teams of people that take your temperature and make sure that you're keeping social distancing, keeping things disinfected, making sure people are wearing masks, and trying to keep the talent and crew safe on set. I actually had a production a few months back. And everything went well, three days in the studio. And about a week after the production wrapped up, I got a call from the client saying that one of our talent tested positive. So that was an entire crew that had to go and get tested immediately to see if anybody was positive for COVID after the fact. Super fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we uh, we take COVID very seriously on set. Uh, any set that has talent, any set that has a DGA talent, I'm sorry, not DGA, uh, has SAG talent, um, it, it's it's serious. And same for DGA as well and IOT, any of the union sets, they have, uh, they've gotten their act together and they want to, they want compliance. Yeah, I know a lot of our clients have uh, held off on any sort of productions. We're repurposing content. We're having to get really creative. Um, but now, as m- more production companies, whether it's you know still just photography or full video, um, learning about the certifications and really communicating to the clients like, okay, as long as you're not in LA where it's technically shut down right now, like we're good to film, here's the credentials and we can move forward, let's do this thing. Uh, Cause it comes up a lot now and people people are needing that content. They can't 
repurpose content forever and they're ready to move forward and they're just a little unsure. So I think, uh, you know, for our listeners and people learning about the certifications and the fact that the unions are, you know, being strict and following the regulatory requirements is is important and is reassuring to the brands. Well, and it's just, we're people. Crew members are people too, and we have to stay safe. So I know it's uh, everybody's money's tight and business hasn't been great this year and people want to get their content done, but we just have to keep safety in mind because that's number one on set. No one needs to get hurt or killed on set. Yeah, I've been... uh, I've been so scared to record the Action Mavens um, (laughs) videos for that purpose. Like I have this, even though I know that there's, you know, the regulatory tests and learning and all this fun stuff that goes on, uh, don't have the proper verbiage for it, apologies in advance. Um, But I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'd feel so bad if, if any buddy that I brought in to, to teach these classes ended up getting sick. But once, you know, sitting down and learning more about it, I'm like, okay, as long as everybody is great and they keep their masks on and follow the rules and there is someone there, like with your production company, I'm confident that they would do that. Um, we're keeping everybody safe, right? We're following all the rules. So that's what's, that's what, what's important um, for sure. Well, we've, uh, this has been the year of the one man band, as we like to call them, or the Swiss Army knife of production. Yeah. Uh, you know, our industry is based off of people that do one tiny specific task, one niche. But with COVID and with the trying to keep numbers down, um, anybody that can perform more than one task, if not all the tasks, is working. Anybody that can only do one job is sitting at home wondering why the phone's not ringing. So there's been a a huge shift in our industry due to the COVID uh, pandemic and and just watching what's happening to how productions are being done with, you know, virtual producers and directors who aren't even on set anymore. And they're calling it from their bedroom on a Zoom screen. And I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. And we did a production with Penn and Teller one month into into lockdown. Uh, Penn and Teller are a duo. They are... They're meant to be side by side. That is their brand, right? It's Penn and Teller. They even stand on, the, on one side. You will always see Penn on the left. You'll always see Teller on the right. Like It is Penn and Teller. <laughs> so they wanted to shoot a show from their houses. Not together, but from their individual houses, separate. So we had to figure out how to technically, right, with using electronics, how to put them together side by side so they could interact with each other visually record it in high quality get all the content we need and uh, and then record a show without having to break covid protocol and and shoot an entire uh, episode it was like five days of production to shoot one episode and you know an entire production based through zoom with producers and directors and the script writers and everybody was on zoom watching and taking notes and doing their job uh, and we record the footage, send it back, and they cut a show together. It was, it was absolutely amazing what's happening now. And, and you see it, too, with the news station. You know, news reporters are at home. Our industry is shifting faster than anybody ever could have imagined. Definitely. Um, so I don't know if you're ready to talk about it, and it's totally okay if you aren't, but I heard you have some big news and a big project that you recently released. 
Yeah, no, I'm happy to talk about it. We haven't officially done our PR and marketing push on it yet, but uh, any any PR and marketing, it's good PR and marketing. Uh, I've been working on a documentary with a couple of colleagues of mine, Jeff Taylor and Tammy Cotell. Uh, we've been working on this for probably about 10 years now, but it's actually almost 41 years in the making. Uh, Jeff Taylor is the director of photography here at Mr. Cameron, one of our freelancers, and has been for many years. In 1980, he was a uh, freelance videographer, and he shot with Muhammad Ali and Larry Holmes. He shot a bunch of footage. Uh, they were in town promoting their upcoming fight, the last hurrah. So apparently back in the day, the fighters would come out a month in advance of the fight, and they would do um, some sort of a press conference and then like a weigh-in, and they'd do some publicity stuff and whatnot. So Jeff went out there with a camera and just recorded a bunch of it for five or six days and got really close to Ali. I mean, there was no security at that at that time. He was just hanging out with Ali and then Holmes. So he sat on the footage for 30 years and sat in a closet or in his garage. And one day he pulled it out and said, hey, we, we see if these are any good, if there's anything on them. And uh, once we looked at the tapes, we realized that was a lot of footage. And that's Muhammad Ali. He's, he's dead and he's famous. So... Uh, you know, the we started working on a documentary. It's had a bunch of different directions it's gone, and different people come in and out trying to help us get it somewhere. But we finally have a down to about an hour documentary that uh, is currently on Amazon and soon to be on iTunes. It's uh, about 40 minutes of never-before-seen footage that Jeff shot in 1980 of Muhammad Ali and Larry Holmes, uh, press conference, weigh-in, just messing around, walking through the airport, screaming at each other. R really some fun stuff uh, of Muhammad Ali and Larry Holmes. I, I, they were kind of before my time. I was born in 1981. Uh, but to see Ali and to see what kind of a showman he was back then, it really opened my eyes to what was going on in boxing and why he is the legend he is today. So uh, we shot some interviews with some famous boxers. Um, we shot with Mike Tyson, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Larry Holmes as well. Uh, did some interviews and cut that together with the with the footage that Jeff shot in 1980, and uh, it's a nice little project. I tell you what, you know, I I just watch a video. I watch videos all day. That's what I do. I, I mean, not for fun, but just to to get my job done. And I can tell you, at the end of this one, I was like, oh, that's a good project, you know. And it, that means something to me. I don't say it about every project. If it sucks, it sucks. Even if I made it, because I've made some bad projects in my day. But uh, I watch this one and I tear up at the end, and that's something special. If you can get me to tear up on a on a movie or a documentary, you've done a good job. And this is all unseen footage. This is footage that has only touched the hands of this documentary. That is correct. Yeah, wow. this is uh, never before seen until I popped it into the beta deck about ten years ago. So cool. And that's on Amazon now, right? For all you guys listening in, if you're a big Ali fan or even, um, you know, a fan of Las Vegas, Nevada, or some of these other name drops that just happened, definitely suggest giving it, uh, checking it out. And uh, you said iTunes soon, too? Uh, hopefully iTunes in the next month or two, cool. uh, you know, at, at their leisure, not mine. And with the lovely COVID pandemic, things have slowed down, but you know, we're not going anywhere, so it'll eventually make it. Yeah, this is something that's going to live on forever. It's not, a, you know, a promo or a commercial campaign or even something that lands on somebody's hero vim uh, video on their website. You mostly work with A-list celebrities and, and um, high-profile 
events and all that fun stuff. So not that that doesn't live forever, but documentaries definitely have a longer life cycle and can be enjoyed by people all across the world, which is exciting. Do you have plans to launch it overseas? We do. Yeah. Muhammad Ali is a global name. I mean, he's arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time and uh, his popularity might not even be greatest in the United States. We, uh, we're going to dip our feet in the water in, in the United States and focus all of our efforts and finances and marketing and PR for U.S. territories and, and see how it goes. You know, it's the area we know best and we feel most comfortable with, so we're going to market here. If we're successful, we have immediate plans to do Spanish closed captioning and start pushing to the Spanish markets as well as hitting overseas and uh, UK, Germany, China, Japan, right? Pretty much everywhere. Like you said, Ashley, this is a documentary. It, it lives on forever or as long as we put effort into it. So we could stop with the United States or we could just keep going and make sure that every country in America has the opportunity to watch our documentary. Such a fun. Every country in the world. Yeah, that's such a fun project. Like I, I love being able to watch clients who launch businesses and specialize in a specific niche and industry and then are able to, in their own way, create content uh, within that niche for the rest of the world. So they have like, you know, their service-based business and then they have their revenue generator slash baby, right? (laughs) In its own little way. So I love that. That makes my heart happy for you guys. I'm super excited. Yeah, we're, we're pretty excited, too. And I, I've, I've spent my entire career, and same with Jeff, we've spent our entire careers making other people's projects. And finally, just finally, we made one of our own. So we don't really know how it's going to go, but we're pretty excited to even have the opportunity to put it out there. That's so incredible. Like, I have no words. I'm just so excited for you, and I'm so excited to – to check it out and um congratulations on that next step in your career i think it's incredible and i can't wait to see if you end up doing anything else in the future relating to additional documentaries and expanding and whatever ends up coming in the next 40 years from now i don't know what what age you plan on retiring but i'm so excited to watch you guys grow well, I appreciate that. You know, I, I my retirement is uh, when the time is right. And uh, I, this has been fun. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I've been doing this. Only, this is my only job ever. I didn't flip burgers or, you know, wait tables or anything. This is the only job I've ever had. I've been doing it since I was knee high to a grasshopper. Um, it gets boring after a while. Even really cool jobs get boring. You know, I, I got the job that takes you places you can't buy tickets to. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. And after 20 years, 25 years, I'm like, okay, is this all it is? There's got to be something more. And uh, producing this documentary and making my own content and creating something a little larger than just a one-day job has been really special to me, uh, a nice, nice area of growth. I love that. I, I can't put it into words how much I do, but it's so incredible to take that next step in that next chapter. And we actually talked about it in a previous previous podcast about how crazy um, life is and how certain scenarios and life experiences lead you to these paths that you might have never envisioned, but had it not been for that previous path, you really would have never ended up on this one. And I 
I feel that in a way for you with a documentary, you know, all of these years of experience of having this incredible production company that works with A-list talent and high profile celebrities um, has given you the tools and the resources you need to create your own baby and launch that and have, you know, your work, not another brand's work, not anybody else's, it's yours and you have it for the world to see for the lifetime of us having internet. <laughs> It's fun when you see a a release for our industry, like a, an appearance release. It's a forever till the end of time in perpetuity in any universe on any planet. It's like the most extensive release you've ever seen. But it, it is literally forever in the entire universe. This never goes away. So it, you know, it's nice to leave a mark, even if it's just a small one. Oh, so good. Well, let's leave on that super exciting high point. Um, I, that was my final question for you. Do you have anything additional that you want to add for our listeners before we hop off? Uh, no, keep on keeping on, everybody. Uh, feel free to check out my documentary or just look at my website. Follow me on social media. Uh, I'm in Las Vegas. I'll travel around and do production wherever. Yeah, so that's uh, Mr. Camera. For the production company and Ali, the lost tapes for the documentary. <laughs>